When I was a youth camp counselor, one of the campers' favorite activity was when we invited them on the last day of camp to write a letter to themselves about what they had learned at camp that week and what they wanted to remind themselves about once camp was over, the things they, may, they thought they may, have, may forget or need to be reminded about. And as with the coming of a new year, summer camp or any retreat or vacation can be a liminal time and space when change and transformation can seem more possible than at other times. The camp director would take these sealed, self-addressed envelopes and mail them exactly six months after camp had ended and six months before the next camp would start. Receiving these letters was always a surprise because you had forgotten about them after so many months had passed. And it was always fascinating on the flip side to be reminded about the questions that six months in the past were equal parts urgent and impossible to answer until time had passed. To look back six months from today on June 30th, 2012, I was still almost uh, a full month away from preaching my first sermon in this pulpit. And although Megan and I were eagerly anticipating our move to Frederick, there were still many unknowns. How would we fit in? What would our daily lives be like? I'd found a job that I thought I would love, but would Megan be able to find a job nearby where she could thrive? It turns out the answer was yes, but it only happened about two weeks ago. As I look forward six months, there are questions I can't yet know the answer to. Megan and I just joined a gym. Six months from now, will we have gone to the gym as many times as we hope to have, as we plan to or expect to? Regarding me coming into fellowship with the Unitarian Universalist Association, the process has gone smoothly so far, but there remain hoops to jump through, committees to stand before, and I can't completely control or anticipate how those will go, although I don't anticipate any major problems. I suspect most of you, looking into the future, can think of questions that just can't be answered until six months, a year, or many more years from now. Ashley shared with us a powerful story this morning of you know, being in remission 20 years, but rewind 19 and a half years and you're in a different place. We don't know where the future is necessarily going to go. New Year's is a time of assessing. Where have we been? Where do we want to go individually? Where do we want to go collectively as a congregation, as a city, as a society? If, as you continue to reflect on your motivation for change, uh, you think that a reminder could help six months or a year from now of where you are in this sort of more liminal threshold time and space about your current hopes and dreams for the new year before the new year has officially begun. Well, there's a free internet equivalent that some of you may have heard of, of that letter writing practice we used to do at summer camp. It's the website futureme.org. Has anyone been to futureme.org? All right, well, good. Uh, it allows you to write an email to yourself that will be sent at any future time that you decide, as long as it's at least 30 days in the future. The website's creators offer this invitation. Send your future self some words of inspiration, or maybe give them a swift kick in the pants. Or just share some thoughts on where you are and what you hope you'll be up to in the next year, or two, or three, or five, or ten. 
And then we'll do some time travel magic and deliver that email to you. There's even a future me smartphone app if you want to send a message to yourself, to your future self on the go. You can choose this email to be completely private, but there is an interesting twist that they encourage you to do uh, uh, where the future me email is both sent to you privately as well as anonymously posted on their website. So you can actually go and read uh, other people's future me letters. And from the more than 400,000 people who have emailed their future me, there was even a book anthology published in 2007 of some of the best of these emails titled, Dear Future Me, Hopes, Fears, Secrets, and Resolutions. One public post written three years ago concerning the Mayan apocalypse says, Dear Future Me, Way to Survive the End of the World. There are many other humorous posts, but others are much more serious. Resolutions to do better in school or work, hopes and fears about medical diagnoses, and dreams about a better relationship or marriage. What message would you send to your future me, perhaps about your motivation for change? As the year 2012 ends, what is your motivation or motivations for change? What do you feel led to let go of or move toward in 2013? As you continue to reflect on your motivations and possible resolutions, I'd like to share with you some cautions from my own experience of breaking and sustaining New Year's resolutions. I'll start with the negative. Times I unintentionally broke resolutions. Over the years, I've read a fair amount of self-help style books about how to improve your life, and I'm familiar with some of the standard approaches to changing your life, reading books by experts in the field, hiring a personal coach or trainer to tailor to your personal needs, and making a concrete, measurable, step-by-step goal to keep yourself accountable to making progress. But in my experience, all goals are not created equal. Last year, I wanted to improve at playing guitar. I first started playing guitar around age 16 and got better pretty quickly, but then I've sort of been coasting for the last you know, decade or more. And I attained a fairly decent ability at playing basic songs, but I've really only rarely learned more difficult guitar skills. So I did some research, signed up for lessons from a talented local teacher, and his, his goal was to help me learn to improvise on the guitar. That was the style of playing that he did. The problem is that math, music, foreign languages, um, which some experts argue are interrelated skills neurologically, have always been a very rote style of learning for me. I was always able to do well in these areas, but the only way I was able to do well and to succeed was through sheer memorization. In contrast, I had friends who seemed to just intuitively grasp the underlying principles of fields such as math, music, and languages. Now, I was able fairly easily to play even relatively difficult pieces like Bach Inventions on the piano, but my friend's ability to compose original music, which our teacher would occasionally challenge us to do, was just was perplexing to me. I mean, I could bake something up, but it was terrible. Uh, my mind just didn't seem to work that way. I could similarly struggle through and memorize the tricks and patterns to solve basic Uh, to solving math problems, but I was unable to even begin to compete with my friend who in middle school was already leaving school. His mom would come pick him up after lunch and he would go take math classes at the local university because he'd already blazed through all of high school math in seventh grade. 
you know, and I, I even managed to do calculus, but out, you know, when all my friends started going on like multi-vector calculus and all this stuff, I was like, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Go forth and prosper, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. In contrast to the natural facility that some people have with math, music, languages, other fields, even, even athletics, uh, I, put my due, you know, I put my due diligence in with the guitar. I had a superb teacher, I practiced at least 30 minutes every day, and I went to my weekly lessons, but my learning curve was so excruciatingly slow. Uh, my instructor was patient with me, I was paying him by the hour after all. But I could sense his exasperation when concepts that were so clear and simple to him just remained elusive for me. All resolutions are not created equal. After quite a few frustrating months, I finally decided that my time was better spent on activities that came more naturally to me. If my life depended on it, if a doctor told me that learning to play guitar at an advanced level would add 10 years to my life, then I would still faithfully be plugging away at those guitar lessons. But I've decided that for now, I'm content with my more modest skill set. From a different perspective, I made a resolution a few years ago to complete a Doctor of Ministry degree after completing the Spiritual Direction program in which I was halfway through. The normal procedure would have been for me to complete that Spiritual Direction program in May 2009 and start the Doctor of Ministry program in May of 2010 and then graduate in May of 2013. But then an unexpected opportunity arose to complete the Doctor of Ministry coursework in summer 2008 and to do a few independent studies. That was in the middle, though, of this program that I was already doing. So the result was that I graduated with my doctorate a year earlier than expected, even with a move from Louisiana to Southern Maryland that vastly delayed my writing of my dissertation. So not all resolutions are created equal. I can't imagine rapidly speeding through an advanced degree in math, music, or languages, unless my life depended on it. You know, I hate doing my taxes, too, but they'd come and get me if I didn't, uh, you know, power through it. But advanced work in theology or philosophy? No problem. Sign me up. Similarly, I've been a vegetarian since 1996 without regret or struggle. And I didn't know anybody that was a vegetarian. I grew up in Florence, South Carolina. I just decided one summer I wanted to be a vegetarian, and I have been since then. Whereas I have friends who can't fathom giving up meat. But I suspect there are some home repair or gardening projects that some of you would find simple, even relaxing or enjoyable, that I would find um, frustratingly difficult and not enjoyable can fix a few things, but it's kind of like the guitar. My skill level, you know, is fairly low in that area. Likewise, I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach from this pulpit, but you won't see me singing a solo or submitting any original artwork to the UUCF Art Gallery. So as you ponder your motivation for change and what you feel led to let go or move toward in the new year, I invite you to be gentle with yourself as well as realistic. At the same time, I'm not saying you should give yourself a free pass, especially if there's a motivation for change that your life really does depend on, or the life of someone you love, or who loves you. I've seen some truly remarkable personal transformations that have come from perseverance and hard work, but also consider whether an adjusted approach might be more successful for you. It's like if you've ever done yoga, they'll say, if you can't do this pose, then try this you know, adjustment. For me, as a creative outlet, I can go so much farther and faster with writing than I can with music or art. 
although I love music and art produced by others who are gifted in those areas. Similarly, if you're looking to lose weight uh, and love to cook, is the best approach to deny yourself food, or is it to sign yourself up for a cooking class that has a gourmet approach to healthy cooking in which you can learn to make use of new ingredients, techniques, or spices? Or do you need to hire a nutritionist who can tailor something that's both healthy and sustaining for you? Sometimes a healthy carrot can motivate a long-term change, whereas a punishing stick may leave us merely disheartened and discouraged. The past few years, when I've reflected on the ways I've both kept and broken resolutions, the metaphor that has most consistently come to mind is swimming in a river. Resolutions that are too far outside my wheelhouse, such as learning to improvise on the guitar, they feel like I'm swimming in a river against the current. No matter how much effort I exert, how hard I swim, I make little or no progress and I end up frustrated and exhausted. But with other projects that comparatively require much more work, such as completing a doctoral degree, running a triathlon, they feel like I'm swimming with the current. I can feel myself moving rapidly through the river. And in the end, I'm left feeling more invigorated than exhausted, or at least a good exhausted instead of a fetal position exhausted. (laughs) At the end of the year 2012, as we prepare to turn the page to 2013, what is your motivation for change? And how does that motivation intersect or diverge from your particular skills and gifts? From those people, places, and activities that give you energy, that make you feel fully alive, that make you feel connected to the world and those around you. As you continue to reflect on how you feel called to respond to the turning of a new year, I invite you to consider two different ritual responses to this sermon. So I've said before about these tables, they're votive candles, so think about what you may feel called to write on one of these slips of paper. You don't have to write the whole, you don't have to write a dissertation on there, you know, write a word or phrase that's symbolic for you. And I encourage you, don't make too much of the symbolism. Always worry a little bit about crafting rituals for people that involve fire. You know, it's like that if you, we'll get to the hazards in a second, but I don't want to make the symbolism more than it is. It's, it's when you burn something up. Think of it as a gesture toward letting go, what may need to be one among many gestures. Just because you want to let something go doesn't mean that just writing on a slip of paper and incinerating it is going to magically make it happen. So think of this as a a gesture toward letting go of something. Or or think of something you want to affirm and light the votive candle that will continue to burn symbolic of that thing that you feel called to affirm. What are your particular gifts and graces? What do you feel led to let go of or to take on? We'll do the ritual in a few moments, but as you begin to continue to think through these things, I want to first invite us to stand together and to sing the hymn, Fire of Commitment, as we think about what's required as we seek resolve and resilience in our hearts and minds.